Before we get started with today's episode of Bench with Bubba, let me tell you about one of our sponsors, Draft. If you love fantasy baseball, then you need to try our new favorite app called Draft. It's daily fantasy baseball, but not like the other guys. On Draft, you play live snake drafts with other people just like in your season-long league. Drafts last just for one night. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Just set it and forget it. And the best part, you play for cold, hard cash and get paid out the next day. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft for everyone. Trust me, I love playing drafts. I play golf. I play NFL, basketball. You can play um, three. Uh, you can play head-to-head, three-man, six-man. There's, there's running leagues. You win one night. It keeps going for four, five, six nights. You can play a dream team. There's all kinds of great ways to play draft, and you can join me today. Just search draft in your app store or, or play right from your computer on draft.com. And when you enter promo code SD Sports. You got to enter the promo code SD Sports. You get a free entry into a real money baseball draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use the promo code SD Sports. That's right. Playing a real money game for free just for using the promo code SD Sports when you make your first deposit. Just again, search draft in your app store or go to draft.com and enter the promo code SD Sports. Now to this week's edition of Benched with Bubba. Back everybody to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode eighty-two tonight. Uh, continue on our fantasy baseball talk, and I'll be joined by a member of Fantrax, Fantrax HQ, member of FantasyPros.com. Find him on Twitter at Eric Cross O Four. Eric, how we doing, man? I'm doing well. How you doing? Good, good. Thanks for joining me. Uh, I've been looking forward to this. Uh, you are a guy that I've been following from kind of a distance and got to know you recently and you're just a busy busy guy covering all <laughs> kinds of things man and I, I respect the heck out of the way you guys grind these days so I was looking forward to chatting a little baseball with you yeah absolutely I appreciate that yeah it's been a it's been a long few months here so it's, it's kind of nice to start getting settled down into the kind of a routine here during the season but it's been fun yeah it's been a lot of fun I love I love this time of year well, just real quick, it is a, a hectic time of the year, and uh, for some reason, if you're listening to this podcast, you don't know what he's referring to. It's draft season. So, um, <laughs> overall, I know you got one more coming up tonight. How's kind of draft season gone for you in a roundabout way? Uh, pretty good. I've been really approaching, um, trying to keep as much balance as possible in my drafts this year. I'm the type of guy I hate trying to chase a certain you know category late in drafts, whether it's speed, power, pitching, whatever. So, I've been trying to um, stick stick with that balance for the most part, and outside of the uh, TGFBI, I think I've done that pretty well. But that was more about draft slot than anything else. Getting the first slot in the fifteen team draft, which I hated, but uh, yeah, it's been, it's been pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, it's nice you get Mike Trout, but then you sit there and wait and watch all this other talent just disappear in front of you. And so. it makes it more yeah, it makes it more agonizing when it's a, it's a slow draft, so you might yes. have to wait like two days and see all these players go. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I had the second pick, so I can relate. It was uh, some very yeah. long time stuff, but let's get into it. Uh, there's been a lot of news since uh, I last recorded. Cause the last recording I had was a DFS preview. So we didn't really cover the season long aspects of things. So we'll kick it off. Uh, since then, Alex Cobb signed with the Orioles, uh, got paid not nearly as much as he thought he was going to, but we're here about the fantasy relevance of things going to a ballpark that is very, very lively in the summertime. What are your thoughts on uh, Alex Cobb going to Baltimore and his fantasy impact this year? Don't like it. <laughs> Don't like it one yeah. bit. Um, first off, I, I thought it was very peculiar. Um, what, I think what he said all that was it four years, fifty six, fifty seven million. Yeah. Like I like Lance Lynn signed for one year, eight million. I thought that was very peculiar. Um, but I do not like him in Baltimore at all. That's kind of where Baltimore, for whatever reason, yeah, the ballpark has a lot to do with it. But they just can't seem to. You know, either develop or get good pitching in there. Um, 
you know, they, I remember they got Ubaldo Jimenez after his huge breakout first half, and he just he basically died in the second half. This is just where pitchers go to die, um, especially a guy like Cobb. He relies more on you know defense than anything else. He's not a big strikeout guy. You know, career he's running you know seven point three Ks per nine. So he's he's not a guy that stands out right uh, first off in that category. So he needs his defense to um, kind of help him out, and the, you know maybe the ballpark give him a little bit of a boost. And Baltimore doesn't give give many people much of a boost. So this is not a great landing spot. And it's good that he signed <laughs> at least because it was look it was looking like he wasn't gonna you know have a job going into the season. Um, so I guess it's good in that aspect that at least he signed. But yeah, this is not a great landing spot for Cobb. I don't like him at all. Yeah, I, I liked. I, I had the idea that Cobb could be good if he landed somewhere. Heck, in Minnesota where Lance Lynn they landed, something like that. Mm-hmm. Or at least the ballpark's not going to kill him because, like you said, he's a very big kind of. He's more of a pitch to contact guy. He's not your big strikeout guy. Does give up a handful of fly balls, and uh, we know how that ball goes out of there. And, and you mentioned it, it's really weird for Baltimore. This offseason, they bring Chris Tillman back. They go and sign Andrew Kashner to a ridiculously large deal for Andrew Kashner style. So if you're a Baltimore Oriole fan out there, I know uh, Walter McMichael is and some other guys. I'm sorry. I get it. <laughs> I'm a Giants fan. It's already off to a horrible year. So it, it's an odd spot for Cobb, like you said. So we'll see how that goes. Let's talk uh, Minnesota Twins. You got Jorge Polanco coming off an amazing second half of the season. People were looking forward to what a full season of maybe that Jorge Polanco looks like. And now we find out he's busted for steroids. Uh, he's going to be out 80 games, half the season. Minnesota looks like they're going to piece it together. Um, Eric Ibar was an option. He's gone. Right now you got Eduardo Escobar uh, moving over to shortstop. They might try to fill it in with some other spots. What's your uh, A, what's your outlook on maybe Eduardo Escobar and whoever's filling in at short? And B, what's your game plan for Polanco as he comes back midseason? Well, first off, Ed- Eduardo Escobar, I don't have much high hopes for him. He's never really shown much of anything to me throughout his career. Uh, he's only a two fifty three hitter. Um, you know, so he-, he did have 21 home runs last year, but that was by far his career best. Uh, doesn't have much of any speed to speak of whatsoever, only 12 career steals. Um, so th- this is not a great situation. I- I went in- I'm not even thinking about looking at him. Um, and and I-, I have a few leagues where um, – I am looking for a shortstop. <laughs> Recent dynasty draft, I just played with with uh, Keith uh, Farnsworth put on, where I'm um, really hurting at that position. I think I'm starting Jose Peraza, <laughs> um, so we'll miss out a lot of my guys. But you know, it's not, not a good situation, and I, and I wasn't even a really a big Polanco guy, um, but I thought he'd be a you know, decent middle infielder, or, you know, utility type to fill in a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, decent, you know, decent enough average that won't kill you. Uh, one thing I'm inf- interested to see though. You know, Maybe I don't, he's not ready right now, but maybe in a couple months, depending on how he starts out. Um, I believe he's starting on AAA. Is a uh, Nick Gordon, you know, he's yes. top one hundred, top one hundred prospect for them. Um, he's, he's got, a, you know, not a great offensive profile, but kind of somewhat similar to uh, to Polanco. It's a little, little less power, more speed. But you know, I wonder if he might factor in at some point if he gets off to a hot start because he's definitely got, um, you know, more of a offensive profile than Eduardo Escobar does. So I'd be interested to see if he gets gets the call at some point in May or June, fills in for 30, 40 games until uh, Polanco comes back there. Uh, Nick Gordon, the good call. He was uh, one of their big, big prospects at one time, and then he kind of dwindled off for a little bit. But this spring, they really liked what they saw. He hit 391 and uh, 23 at-bats. Doesn't have a ton of power, like you said, but he can definitely get on base and he can run. He's He's been a you know 20-plus steal guy in the minors, so there's a lot to like there with him. So that's, that's a good call that could definitely fill in and maybe keep the role because Polanco wasn't much of anything before he broke out last year. I still right. think he can be good, but who's to say Gordon can't take the job? Exactly. Uh, let's move on to L.A. Uh, this begins a slew of just ridiculous injuries that have taken place in the last week, just murderer's row. Uh, we'll start with Justin Turner gets hit. Um, hit on the hand. He's going to be out for quite some time. Uh, I believe it's – well, he's not going to have surgery, which is good. So now they're saying like four to six weeks instead of the eight-plus-week timetable. But, you know, any guy that gets hit in the wrist or some hand injury, you got to be concerned about power. you got to be concerned about a lot of those quick reflexes there. He's already a guy that's got injury problems. What's your thoughts on uh, Justin Turner and the Dodgers' third-base problem? 
Yeah, and no, like you said, that when you get to have those hand injuries, you know, power can be a question mark coming back, and especially for a guy that he's not a big power guy to begin with. You know, he had 27, 2016, 21 last year, and only 457 at bats. So he's you know he's got that 25 to 30 home run pop, but you know he's never he's never had a 30 home run season. I know a lot of that was he never really had a full time gig until the last couple of years with the Dodgers. Um, but if he's to come back and you know, not have as much power as he has shown the last couple of seasons. You know, you're basically counting on him to hit three, you know, over 300 again to provide you a lot of value because he, you know, doesn't have much speed. You know, it gives you a handful of steals, but um, he's never had more than 80 RBI. He's never had 100, I mean, 80 runs, never had a 100 RBI season. He's really been, you know, the high average and, you know, that 25 home run pop is what's gotten him by uh, as being, a, you know, top 100 fantasy commodity and he comes back and he's only you know gets 400 bats and hits you 12 to 15 home runs you know it's you know for a guy that's been taken you know well inside the top 100 and a lot of drafts i've seen here um you know it's 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 not really ideal you know and and they don't have any good you know he's getting that he's no um he's not gonna lose that job at all you know he's He's a very good hitter. He's, he falls into one of those kind of better in real life than fantasy for me, which is not um, – you know, he's a great guy. I'd love to have him on you – know, I'm a Red Sox fan. I'd love to have him um, on my team. He's one of those guys you love to have. He's a you know, nice professional hitter, but doesn't really – doesn't put you over the top in fantasy. So if he comes back and loses some of that power, you know, I'm, I question how you know much value he's really going to have for the rest of the season unless he's hitting 320 again. Yeah, and you said it best when this injury happened. I pulled up like his fan graphs and baseball reference. I started going through his numbers that you were reading off, and I started thinking, okay, why are we always so quick to think he's one of the top, you know, five third basements in fantasy? Because he really doesn't light the world on fire. Like you said, you're taking him top 100, and he is a good ball player. But I think it's more real life, as you stated. He's kind of like that Tony Romo of fantasy baseball. Oh, exactly. It's just he's different, two different things. So. Yeah, he'll be back you know, in a month or two. What we need to look at now is right now you got like Logan Forsyth projected to play third, maybe Austin Barnes or Kiki Hernandez or Chris Taylor playing second. There's a whole slew of options. Chase Utley becomes a little more relevant. Uh, do any of these names, you know, do you, do you feel like you need to pick some of them up if they're on your waiver wire? Chris Taylor shouldn't be. Austin Barnes shouldn't be. But say like a Forsyth or a, a Chase Utley, do, are these guys that get your attention at all or are you just going to sit back and watch? No, I'm going to sit back and watch just, you know, at least for the start of the season. None of these guys are guys I'm rushing out there to sign, even you know, unless you're in a super deep league. But, you know, one guy, I'd like to say Chase Utley because he's been there before. But, you know, this guy, he's pushing 40 now. He's, he's a shell of himself, uh, doesn't have nearly the skills that he has. But you know, maybe he can, you know, kind of revive his career just a tad, kind of like Jose Reyes has a little bit in, you know, in New York. But, and then then these guys are guys I'm looking to go there and add right now. But if they if they have to hot start, you know, I mean Forsyth has to a hot start, you know, or, or Utley, maybe, you know, give them a flyer and ride it out while they're hot type of thing. But not well, not a lot of intrigue here for me. All right. I'm gonna combine these two because they're both on the Giants. You got Mad Bum, gets hit in a whit Merrifield line drive up the middle, broken pinky. He's already had surgery and pens put in it. It's like the top knuckle though, so it's really not the whole pinky, it's really weird. They they make it sound like it's not bad, but to me, anything on a pitching hand can't be good. Um, right. He's going to be out six to eight weeks. You know he's going to push it back sooner, but we'll see how that goes. Then you got Jeff Samarja. They thought it was a shoulder problem. Thank goodness it's just a pictorial strain. So everything in the, in the wing is fine. He's going to be out three to four weeks. So basically two starters out for a month, one out for two months. Got Ty Block starting opening day for the Giants. Uh, Derek Holland has made the roster now. What are your thoughts on those two guys as they come back with Samarja and Bumgarner and any desire to maybe Beattie or Holland or Block in uh, maybe deep leagues? Yeah, with start with Bumgarner, I guess here. He's been a guy I've loved Bumgarner. You know, he's never really been quite on the same level as, you know, like a Scherzer or a Kershaw. He's always right behind there, kind of in that second tier starter. Still, you know, fantasy ace type guy. He's just so freaking consistent. You know, before last season, he had had two, uh, six years straight of 200-plus innings, and he's never had an ERA higher than 3.37. That's just, it's just remarkable. Um, that doesn't really 
never had the huge K numbers, but he's always right around a K per inning. So, um, guy, I've always loved having. Um, I've I've always targeted him for you know most of his career. Always been a bit, been a big Mad Bum guy. Um, Samarja, um, and not not huge on Samarja. His e, ERA fluctuates too much for my liking. Good strikeout guy. Um, but, you know, he, he definitely made the right decision to go and play baseball. That's for sure. He's been a pretty <laughs> solid pitcher in his career, but. Um, he, he is a guy that I, I liked as a kind of a mid-rotation fantasy starter. You know, a guy you grab as like your you know, third or fourth guy, depending on how you go about it. But uh, Ty Block starting opening day. God, that doesn't... It's depressing. <laughs> I'm a Giants fan. It's, it's, I, it's I, horrifying. Block I mean, I, I know it's just... <laughs> <laughs> that, That's all you need to see. That, you know, but this would be one of those games where, you know, Kershaw is kind of... I've seen this before where he's like facing the guy of, you know, Ty Block-esque type starter and he Kershaw just goes into a, you know, goes into a shell for some reason. I won't be surprised if Giants pull this out opening day, but it doesn't inspire a lot of confidence either. Um, he's another tie block's another guy. You know, I I want to like him. He's had you know decent ratios for the most part. He's shown a little bit, but he's just another guy that doesn't have that high of a K rate. You know, pulling up his um, numbers yeah, right now. I think he had the lowest or like the third lowest uh, K per nine in all of baseball last year. No, oh geez, yeah, I, I knew it was low. I'm looking at now. Yeah, last year four point zero game or not. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's got Alex Cobb to the extreme here. Yeah, um, yeah so I, I'm not really looking at him from. Like, I, like I said, he's. I, I don't like low strikeout guys, you know, unless they're guaranteed to get me like a you know a good ratios, you know, like guys like Ivan Novo when he had a couple of good years um, a couple of years ago and Cobb before his his uh, injury you know guys like that I'll, I'll maybe target late rounds to help me out in ratios um, my last year you know block 478 ERA 136 whip you know not not really that great but you know hopefully you know, hopefully you get some uh, get, get these guys back luckily you get some Archer back what, mid to late April so yeah yeah so and what was the time frame on Bumgarner? Was was it? They are saying six to eight weeks, but Bumgarner, yeah. he's a big dude that's very stubborn, and he's actually he's come back on the early end of every injury he's ever had. Right? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised he made it, made it back early on this one too. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. One more question I have because this came out before I started my last show, um, and we don't have to go super deep in it. This could be literally a yes or no answer. They're already saying Mark Melanson's got arm issues. He hasn't thrown since Friday. He's going to throw on the side tomorrow and maybe Thursday to see if he can pitch Thursday night. Or they might put him on the DL, which means the good old uh, Sam Dyson likely steps in his closer. <laughs> uh, either him or Hunter Strickland. I doubt Tony Watson closes, but he could. Do you have any desire for those types? Because Sam Dyson filled in actually pretty decent last year, but by no means is that comfortable. No, it's it's not. You know, he's he's a guy where you know saves always have value to a degree. You know, and, and a lot of, a lot of people are chasing saves already. You know, depending on how your draft falls. You know, you always get the couple guys that stock up early on saves, and you're left with guys of you know Melanson might be your best tip, best closer. So, it, Dyson is a guy. You know, if he is the um, definite fill in, if Melanson's forcing his time, you know, I do have a little bit of interest in him. Not a whole lot. So he's you know, not a big, not a big K guy for a closer. Seven point one Ks for nine in his career, but you know, he's shown you know, he had a couple, couple pretty good years in Texas. He saved thirty eight games back in twenty sixteen, two forty three ERA. Um, so he's shown he's done it before, um, which you know goes a long way, at least in my book. So you know, if I was you know hurting for saves. And one that's kind of get a good fit. Maybe if I'm Melanson owner, um, yeah, Dyson would be a guy. I look, I'd look at is I, I think he is to be the one that does do that. You know, maybe not going to be the everyday you know, closer every time they have to save up. But um, you figure Strickland might fill in a little bit there, like you said. But you know, just that ex- experience will kind of. I'll, I'll look at him if I if I need a need a closer for sure. Yeah, no, like you said, he had a good run there in Texas. He had a great World Baseball Classic, then he kind of just fell off and. Then they let him go when he came to San Francisco and actually pitched well. It's kind of changed the scenery. So the talents there is it's not comfortable. Um, let's talk about Miguel Sano. You can like him. You can hate him. He did some horrible things. But according to the powers to be, they can't get enough evidence. So he's not getting suspended. And what we're here to talk about is fantasy baseball relevance, not the law. So Miguel Sano is playing all year, and that's – 
pretty darn powerful. Um, he's pretty much drafted everywhere you go. But what do you kind of just roughly expect him from Miguel Sano this year? Um, you know, he came in looking like the the Pillberry Doughboy. <laughs> so um, he's like the worst shape of your life. What, what do we think of Miguel Sano? He had a good spring. Yeah, he has. Um, I've been big on him for most of his career, but oddly enough, this year I'm. I think I'm starting to kind of get off the Sano uh, bandwagon a little bit here. He's got the power. That's you know, that's for, that's for sure. He's got you know, 71 career home runs and 1140 at bats. You kind of equate that out. That's you know, a 40 home run pace. You know, if, and if he's able to play every day this year, I can see him having a you know, kind of a judge type breakout. He has that potential, but. You know, even you know, even without this suspension looming over him anymore, he still has struggled to stay on the field. He's he's yet to eclipse 500 at bats in his career. I know he's only had three, uh, you know, two and a half seasons, but you know, he, he still ha- had other injury concerns. His K rate is ridiculous. I think it's right around 36 percent the last two years. So, um, and, and he's really struggled to um, keep a high average. Even though well, 264 last year was okay. But that came with a 375 batting average on balls in play, and if he had, you know, he was right below um, being able to qualify um, for, you know, for all the batting averages and batting titles and all that. But if he had, he that would have been the second highest in baseball behind uh, Abisal Garcia. So um, I don't expect the average to be above 250. Um, and the injury concerns, I'm, I'm kind of staying away from him. You know, he still, I still like him. You know, yeah. I'm always intrigued by power. <laughs> That's never going to change. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm kind of getting off the snow bandwagon this year, oddly enough. Yeah, I was all aboard it last year, and I don't know if it was the suspension that was worrying me or kind of the second half swoon last year. I don't know what it was, but I. I don't think I have him anywhere this year, and that's. Uh, I, I, I got him one league early before yeah. um, before the whole potential suspension came out. And this got back in. I say it might have been the mock draft I did back in like. December or something before, but but yeah, I've been staying away from him after that just because mostly the suspension. But even now, you know, he still he goes way higher than you know I would like him to go. But yeah, yeah, there's so many other pieces there uh, in the draft at that point that I'd rather go on. I think third base is pretty deep this year. I'd rather heck, I'll wait for Matt Chapman and go that direction. If I have to. Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, let's talk Steven Souza Jr. Uh, the Rays obviously traded him for the D-backs this year. He had a okay spring, but not great. Only hit 222, two homers, seven ribbies, no stolen bases. That might just be a spring thing. Who knows? But, you know, coming off a 30-homer year, steals bags, you know, not the best average guy in the world. But, you know, D-backs are looking for some big things out of him. He's going to be out a couple weeks. That's the the – Doctoral definition they've given us a couple weeks. Um, <laughs> he's on, so he's going to start the year on the DL with a pectoral strain, kind of similar to what um, Samarja has, and he's going to be out three to four weeks. So Souza, let's say he's out a month. I know you're in a bunch of these, these bigger leagues, and one of the hottest commodities on the waiver wire was one Gerard Dyson. Um, what are you seeing with Souza going forward, and are you thinking replacements with him? I am, and I wasn't big on Souza to begin with. I uh, kind of thought he played a little over his head last year. Um, he had a he had the eighth highest uh, home run to fly ball ratio in baseball. Um, he was you know right behind guys like Judge Stanton, Gallo, Chris Davis, uh, Chris with a K, and right in front of guys like Gary Sanchez, Cody Bellinger, and then those, Mike Trout, those sorts. Uh, so I, I think he did play a little over his head last year. And going to Arizona, you know. Arizona's been a notorious hitter's park, but that humidor, you know, I, I've been reading more and more into the humidor, especially you know, after Coors Field put theirs in back in, I believe it was like 2001, 2002, right near the end of the steroid era, and, and you know, what that did to power numbers and this overall runs in general, uh, you know, kind of offensive production in general, you know, I'm not really a fan, you know, he was really only became, Sue's only came, became fantasy relevant um, he's, he's been a guy you, you'd fill in you know, the waiver wire every now and then, but really a guy that you have for the entire season, you know, that didn't start till last year when he had, you know, 30, 60, 30 home runs, 16 seals. But the average is always going to be bad. He doesn't make enough contact to have an average that's going to help you out any. So he's always going to be in that 240, 250 range, I think. And, you know, you get this injury starting out here, add in the likely, you know, home run factors of the humidor. You know, I'm, I'm not really a fan. You know, I, I think he'll, he'll get his job back. I'm not worried about that. He'll, he'll get the playing time, but you no, know, at least to start. But if he goes on a long, 
you know, prolonged slump, which is, you know, with his swing and miss tendencies, is definitely a possibility. You know, they, you know, a lot of the guys right there to, that can step in in that outfield. So uh, I'm kind of – he's on my do not draft list, my unofficial one that you know, I have in my head here. But um, We all have I'm, one of those. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm staying away from him this year. I don't like him. All right, no problem there. Uh, let's go A.J. Puck, top pitching prospect of the Oakland A's. Uh, was lights out last year in the minors. Like I got lucky enough to see him when he was in single A. He went to double A and was filthy still. He started spring great, started losing velocity. They got concerned. Then they say, oh, he's got forearm tightness that anybody that's watched baseball long enough knows that's, you know, the nice way of saying something's wrong with his elbow. Um, And literally I was kind of befuddled because I do a handful of other podcasts and I kept looking and looking and there's no news. Like radio silence on the AJ Puck thing. And then this morning or this afternoon, John Heyman comes out and says, okay, there's some structural damage, like ligament damage. He's going to have a second opinion. And literally, I went to MLB Trade Rumors to look up the Steven Souza stuff, and the top headline is uh, A.J. Puck is recommended for Tommy John surgery. So I have your – we're going to talk about your top 300 dynasty rankings later. What's your thoughts on A.J. Puck? Because I think everybody was really high on his ability. He was going to make an impact at some time this year. Obviously, not happening now. You had him at 107 on your list, and we'll get deeper into your list later. But, man, this has to take a hit. Oh, for sure. I, I've been big on buying. I, I watched a lot of him um, even back in his collegiate days when he was at the University of Florida. He's been a guy that's intrigued me for a while. You know, and how, how can he not? He's a six foot seven lefty that throws mid to upper 90s. You know, right, right, off the, right off the bat, that's intriguing. It's like a um, big unit. Yeah, exactly. He kind of reminds me of, uh, going back a little bit, kind of a young Andrew Miller. Yeah. Um, He's kind of got that same build, big, tall, lanky lefty, you know, throws hard, you know, a little bit, you know, control issues. That's kind of held him back a little bit. But, um, yeah, this – I haven't seen all these updates too. I hate it. He's one of my favorite <laughs> favorite pitching prospects in the minors. A guy that I think has legit ace upside, you know, both you know, as a real-life ace and a fantasy ace. I think he, he's that good, uh, especially if he keeps you – know, kept working on his control like he has. He's got that mid upper nineties heater, wipeout slot, filthy slider. You know that thing. That thing tie up, tie even the best hitters up. So yeah, you heard that forearm tightness. That's that's always oh, a. <laughs> and then right here in Boston too, Drew Pomeranz has been having that off and on from ever since yeah. we got him from from the Padres. But you know that a lot of times is especially lately, a kind of almost a precursor to Tommy John. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's nice that you know guys come back. You know, better now from Tommy John than they did five, ten years ago. Some, some even come back better, but it's, it's it just sucks. Yeah. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. You know, it just sucks. Especially a guy I've I, I like this this much that has this ace up, upside. Well, it's, it's a bummer. I, I thought you know next few years we'd be seeing him and um, one of his organi- organizational teammates, Jesus Luzardo, who I also am really high on. You know be a dominant one-two force in this rotation, and that's going to be put on hold for a little bit. Yeah, that's, that's, it was almost like the A's were starting to put back like a Hudson Mulder type thing and or, uh, with Zito and company. It was They were building something really nice. They still are, but it, it's on yeah. hold. Um, and it just sucks, though, because like, we had Forrest Whitley get suspended, and at least he'll come back healthy. Then you have Brent Honeywell get it, Tommy John. You had Jose De Leon, Tommy John, and now A.J. Puckett's like – I, I made it as a joke a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. I said, what's next, Michael Kopech? Like, just are you going to take all of our toys from us, everything we enjoy? It's crazy. I know. That this um, is why we can't have nice things. You know, like put exactly. Kopech in a bubble. Um, he's, I, I just invest, I've invested heavily on him uh, over the last couple of years. So, God, if he went down, I'd be, I'd be SOL on several weeks. Yeah. Put, put him in a bubble. Ask- let me ask one fantasy question about AJ Puck. So we're going to talk dynasty later, and I, I'm in leagues, you're in leagues, dynasty wise. Now, you know, there's always the teams that go for it now, and there's the teams rebuilding. To me, going after Puck right now, when, you know, the owner might be depressed or maybe wait another day or two and they actually cut that elbow, I think you might be able to get him a little cheaper. Do you have any desire to pick up a Puck? Or are you worried that he, you, you said it, and I agree that a lot of these guys come back better or at least the same as they were before he's only 22 so i think he's worth a gamble oh absolutely especially guys with this much upside and that's that's why i love playing in, in you know dynasty like leagues especially deeper ones where you know a lot of times 
you know, these guys, they want the next up and coming thing. And, you know, Puck is definitely one of those. Um, like you said, maybe a little, little bummed out that Puck's be missing the next, you know, 12 to 18 months, however long it may be. You know, but this, this creates a great file opportunity. You know, guys like AJ Puck or even guys, you know, coming off bad seasons, kind of guy like, like Austin Meadows, for instance. You know, a guy that, you know, this got, you know, good fantasy upside, but coming off a bad season. You know, these are guys you can get. That's how you build, you know, you know, that's a key part of building, um, you know, a very long-standing, successful dynasty team. There's, you know, building a good one top to bottom, and that includes, you know, getting guys like this that, you know, might be down in other people's books due to injuries or poor performance or whatever. But you know, especially just look at the pure upside, which is what I try to do. I look at the skill set, look at the upside, you know, and it's all there for for Puck. You know, like it's, it's going to be. A little delayed now, like we said, but you know he's definitely a guy um, that I'm going to be looking to. Whatever I look at all my leagues here, um, but guy that if I don't have him, I'm definitely you know, I've been trying to get him in everything I I can. But definitely a guy now that you know if the price has dropped, great. You know that's even better. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, last injury we'll talk about before some more roster moves. Greg Bird of the Yankees has going to have surgery on his ankle. He's got like a bone spur. He's going to be out a couple months, it looks like. I believe it was six to eight weeks there. Uh, there's a lot of different scenarios that have been put in place. You know, Walker going to first, bring up Gladber Torres, bring up Miguel Anahar, who's going to be playing first in the minors. He can play first. Tons of scenarios here. Um, a, any desire when Bird comes back to put Bird on your roster? B, what's this do for, you know, the Walkers, Anahar's, Torres for you? Yeah, no, Bird is a guy that I was – I've been I've gone back and forth on him so many times. You know, he is a guy that uh, whenever he does come back, uh, probably you know looking late May, maybe early June. He's a guy that depending on how the playing time situation looks like it's going to be, I will give him you know another chance here just because of one thing. You know, he's got that left-handed power at Yankee Stadium. You know, he, he's a guy that he's never got hit for a high average. You know he he, he swings him he strikes out too much. Um, doesn't make enough overall contact, but he's got the he's got the home run swing. He gets good loft. Um, he drives the ball well, and you know, like I could go out there and probably hit thirty home runs at Yankee Stadium um, if I was a lefty batter. Um, that's how you know. So, in a guy with his power, you know, I was I was penciling him in if he got five hundred at bats this season, which obviously he's not now. But he was a guy that I was almost penciling in to you know have a chance to get forty home runs this year. He's got that power, so. Now, as long as he looks like he's going to be coming back into some semi, at least, you know, mostly regular bats for at least four or five starts a week, um, he's a guy I will definitely uh, give a chance to if, if he's out there. Um, but outside of that, I like Miguel Andujar. I, I really like Andujar. He's my guy. I started off a little lukewarm on him, but uh, more I've seen him play, um, I, you know, I've seen him play a little bit when – uh, Trenton uh, Yankees Double A affiliate came here to uh, you know play the Portland Sea Dogs Boston's Double A affiliates. I've seen him a couple times. Very violent but controlled swing. Um, so he's the type of guy that he's probably not never going to walk a lot. He'll be able, he'll put the ball in play a lot. Kind of like a Adam Jones type of guy. You guys, he'll, he'll still get for a good average. Um, pop out thirty home runs a year. So that's intriguing. Uh, if he can learn first base, um, at least get a little adequate defense there um definitely a guy I mean, in, in all formats i can come up and give you a give you a good punch I mean, he'd probably hit six or, or so in that lineup which is a dynamite lineup murderers row 2.0 there um outside of him neil walker this guy I've, i really liked i've had a sentimental value for, um for neil walker over the years he did some good for me back in the day but He's not a guy I put too much stock in. He can't stay healthy himself, so I'm not putting too much stock in him playing a lot. You know, I think this kind of locks in Brendan Drury for every day at bats, um, whether you know, if they move Neil Walker over the first, Drury can play second and third. Um, yeah, and then you get Torres, who I'm not as high on him as most, um, and that's not my Red Sox fandom coming out in me. Um, you know, I, I think I don't put him in the better real life than fantasy category, but he doesn't have that one elite tool in my mind that some of these other shortstops like Brendan Rogers or Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, guys like that have, you know, he's, he'll probably be a, you know, high 200 hitter, 
20 to 25 home runs, 15 or so steals, but which is very good. You know, it'll be a top 10 fantasy shortstop, but um, I think people are, you know, he's a Yankee shortstop prospect. You know, everyone's going to get excited about anybody that has that, that position that has legit upside like he does. But this year, he's still very young. Um, I don't expect much from this year, so I wouldn't be, you know, dynasty, sure, keeper league, sure, but for, you know, 2018 redraft leagues, I'm you know, pumping the brakes a little bit on Gleyber uh, Torres. Okay. We take this brief break from Bench with Bubba to talk to you about Rotoware. It's one of the best quality shirts in the industry. When I mean industry, all the clothing industry, the fantasy sports industry, because people are rocking it. They're loving it. You're seeing it in a lot of big outlets now. The no other brand can compete with Rotoware in terms of quality. They're premium blend fabric, super soft, comfortable, athletic fit shirts. They specialize with a special, special printing process. The design is part of the shirt. Literally, it is dyed and bleached into the fabric. No thick ink. There's over 30 different designs right now. It's just crazy, all the stuff they have coming out. And there's more and more stuff every time you turn your head. They have fantasy football, baseball, hockey, basketball, some really cool DFS ones. But everything's great. They have men's, women's, and kids. Check them all out. Go to rotoware.com, R-O-T-O-W-E-A-R.com. Check them out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Rotoware. But the cool part, guys... If you use the promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, you get 20% off your order. Again, promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S. Check their site out. Check them Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. They're always giving away free shirts. And then when you go to purchase the ones you want for you, your loved ones, your friends, your family, whatever, use promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, for 20% off your order. Now back to this week's episode of Benched with Bubba. Let's talk about some uh, kind of spring battles that were kind of been decided now. Uh, go to St. Louis. Uh, Gregerson's going to be starting the year on the DL. It looks like it's going to be the Dominic Leone show. Maybe some Tyler Lyons, but it looks like Leone, and I've been on that Leone bandwagon all uh, summer long, or winter, winter long. Um, but one caveat first, you know, you can talk about Leone and Lyons and how you feel there, but I'm not sure if you saw it. You probably have. They decided to keep Jordan Hicks on the roster. He, uh, from single A, throws 100 miles an hour, going to be in the bullpen with them this year. So he could be a, a big-time dark horse or just a, a middle – I think he's more of a dark horse, but I think it's the Leon show. What's your thoughts on the St. Louis closing situation? Yeah, I, I like Leon too. Um, I thought he was kind of – I think he went over on that Randall Grechuk trade, didn't he, from Toronto. Yes. Um, right, yeah. He was a guy that wasn't – he wasn't really – almost an afterthought, but, you know, he, he's got some. he's got some good stuff. He's – um, he's, kind of, he's kind of bounced around a little bit. He's already, I think, it started his third or fourth team in his career in like five seasons. But he's got good stuff. Um, you know, I like him a lot more than uh, than Leon. I mean, uh, Lions, excuse me. Um, I, I like definitely like Dominic Leon to lead this kind of group. Um, but then when Gregerson comes back, it's going to muddy it even more. You know, who knows how? You know, it's all going to be up to uh, up to Leon. You know, if he starts off the year and he's, you know. It's, Nailing down saves, pitching well, striking out batters. I think he's a guy that could hold on to this role, but if he's showing that he's kind of up and down and consistent, then I hate, you, know, you get that dreaded closure by committee role that nobody loves. Um, yeah. And then, and then, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going after Leon. I've been a lot of people you know, on Twitter and whatnot have been asking me about Leon. He's got him definitely recommending the start of the season, but. Kind of like how what you mentioned on with the uh, your giant situation there. It's not one that I have a whole lot of confidence in, um, just because of all, all the bodies they have there, and none of none of which have really extensive closing experience. Yeah, there's a ton of moving parts there, like you said, and I like Leon. I'm glad he's getting the start. I'm going to ride with him, but by no means do I feel comfortable with it because a Mike Matheny, yeah. And I got to say but um, you never know what, what he can do there. And it could be a roulette and he still might get a handful of saves. He might split time. And that's just a pain in the rear end. So let's go to the white Sox. They're kind of doing a committee thing. Like they came out saying Nate Jones is the guy. And then a couple hours later, another thing came out and said, Oh, he's going to kind of split the role with Joaquin Soria. And I thought Joaquin Soria would be the guy because they paid him money, you know, go show him off a bit, trade him. That's kind of what I thought. Mm -hmm. What are you doing with this role at all? 
Oh God, I don't, I don't like this at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought I was right there with you. I thought, uh, I thought this was Soria's job to lose at least start the season, um, and he's shown that there's no guarantee. You know, he's had ERAs you know, above or near four for the last two seasons, so you know he can be very widely inconsistent. Um, but he's, he's got, he's got the close, the closure stuff. He, he throws hard still. He's, he's got the experience from his days with um, in Kansas City. Um, earlier in his career, and even a little bit, you know, with Detroit a couple of years back. But Nate Jones is not a guy that I trust at all. You know, I was looking at his numbers. He's, he's been a decent setup man for his career. I'm not, not saying I don't like Nate Jones as a pitcher, but he's only got three career saves, and he can't stay on the field. He's only thrown, over the last four years combined, 101 and a third innings pitched, and I think a little over 70 of those were in one season. Yeah. Um, he can't stay on the field himself. So, I, I yeah, I, I think eventually Soria does – call it a gut feeling, but I, I think Soria ends up running away with this job, so to speak. Um, like you said, the White Sox aren't going anywhere this year. Bright future, you know, stacked farm system, but they're not going anywhere in, the, in 2018. I mean, themselves, they got James Shields starting on opening day. Um, very good pitcher in his career, but not now. But, uh, yeah, so Soria is a guy that they don't really need. You know, so I've always said the you know, least valuable guy for a bad team to have is a you know, good, decent closer. You know, is what do you need him for? So he definitely got, I think, his pedal off at the deadline. So, you know, May, June, July, I think he'll start getting, you know, definitely start leading this, this duo here and distancing himself from Nate Jones to set, um, be traded to a contender or most likely a setup role. But nothing that – I don't like it for fantasy purposes, obviously. If, if I was to pick one, I'd still stick with Soria, um, even with the, the news of Jones kind of splitting the time with him. We start, but Soria is better suited for the role, I think. So if I needed, I'm not, you know, not comfortable with either. <laughs> it's kind of a theme here lately. I'm not comfortable with anything here, but um, I would definitely look to Soria before I look at Nate Jones. That just sums up the closing role in fantasy. It's like <laughs> I, I was telling someone earlier today is I used to never be a guy that would take a closer early, and I still don't like reach for them. But if they fall a little bit, I've been way more likely to at least get one guy that I trust to keep that role all year, and then I'll pencil the rest in because it's nothing like it used to be. Oh, exa- exa- exactly. I was finishing up my uh, my uh, dynasty rankings there, and I did a, some positional before. I did my top 300 overall, and I was working on the closer rankings. And I'm like, you know, God, it's like you got you got your elite guys. You got your Jansons, Kimbrels, Chapmans, uh, Nebels, and guys like that. Even even Nebels hasn't done it for too too long. But you know, you only have a few guys where you're like, boom, elite guy year in year out. Don't worry about him at all. And then it's just a lot of turnover. Uh, even, even guys like you know, Britain was. Arguably the most valuable pitcher in baseball. Uh, just, just was it 2016 when he had an ERA of like negative five? <laughs> you know, you give him, yeah, you give him like two runs the entire season or something ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but you know, and even he, you know, he's battling inconsistency and you know injuries. He's not going to be back till near August at this point. So, so much turnover. But you know, I am, I am like you. I would kind of reaching to like that, you know. Six to fifteen range, kind of the guys after the elite guys. Maybe getting one, one or two of those guys. Guys like, you know, Hector Neris, Jerry's Familia, Brad Hands, a guy I like, you know, guys like that. But yeah, yeah, that's just a closing scene in general, like you said. Yep. Uh, one more closing situation that dropped today. Tori uh, Lavello finally let us know what I've been preaching all along, but I know some dis- disagree. Um, Brad Boxford is going to start the year as a closer. Hirano will not be closing. And neither will Archie Bradley, and I'm a fan of this. I think Archie Bradley is their best pitcher. Use him in two to three inning rolls, high leverage situations. He still might get you 10 saves, but let him pitch when you need him the most. And then Boxberger could be your closer. Uh, what's your thoughts on the D-back situation? Uh, kind of, I got of mixed feelings because I do like Boxberger, and I really like Archie Bradley. Um, and I have a good amount of shares in both guys this year. I have them you know, at least a couple of leagues each. Um Part of me kind of wanted Bradley to get the role just to see what he could do. You know, he's been you – know, he kind of – he faltered out as a starter. You know, um, really was really good in middle relief setup and kind of that um, kind of jack-of-all-trades role last year, kind of come in whenever you need him to. 
Um, I kind of want to see what he could do as a full-time closer, see if he could have that Corey Nebel-type breakout where he goes out and saves 40-plus with, you know, insane ratios and, you know, 10-plus Ks per nine. Um, but Boxberger was, is a guy, you know, he has the experience, kind of battled injuries over the last couple of years, but he was a guy early, earlier in his career um, when he was with Tampa Bay. He was, he was a guy that kind of fell in that range of guys that I would target a lot, Um and he even had, I think he had, didn't he have a 50, no, 41 saves, um, 2015 and hasn't really done much outside of that, but he's the type of guy that I would always target. Um, he's got good stuff. You know, he's, he's definitely made for the closures role, but, um, like you said, Bradley could still sneak in 10, 15, maybe even 20 saves, you know, uh, look over, you know, Boxberger's, um, stats right now and he's he hasn't even eclipsed 30 innings pitched each of the last two years. So he's no guarantee. Exactly. Yep. You know, he's he's you know, another guy that's no guarantee to make it through the season here. Um, so Bradley's still a guy that I would kind of target. And, you know, I, I, would, I like going after guys like you know him and Chris Davinsky in Houston, yep. Dylan Patances, guys that are just stud middle levers that if they happen to get into that closer's job, could be top ten options. And so they help you out now, can give you a you know, save here and there. Um, so, yeah, I, I like the situation and um, – like I said, I was hoping, maybe hoping Bradley can get it just to see what he can do. But um, st- still, I think it's a good situation what, what Arizona has um, going on right now. Because, you know, if Oxberger comes out, gets injured, stinks up the place, whatever, you know, they have some guys, um, Bradley and Hirano, that can step in and unlikely fill the role very well. So it's a good situation, I think. Yeah, definitely good fallback options. Um, one reason why, one reason I like it is, I think Bradley might be more valuable in multi-inning roles. Like a Davinsky gets you 100 innings, all the strikeouts, mm. and then still sneak in some saves. Yep. Also, uh, I don't think the Diamondbacks want him to close because then he'll make more money in arbitration next year. That's the right. scary <laughs> scenario that I think, I think is there. The exactly. business aspect. Yeah. Uh, sure. one, one more player I wanted to ask you about real quick. Uh, Scott Kingery. He, if people have been sleeping on the rock, he was accepted to stay in the bigs, got a big extension, so he'll be around. Really nowhere to play just yet. I think eventually he might take Franco's spot, but who knows? What's your uh, your take on Kingery for the season? Love him. Um, got to see him uh, a few times in Double A last year. Uh, lo- I just I love his skill set. Um, people have been asking me, you know, ever since the news broke, even before the news broke, you know, should I be adding Kingery? Yes. It, you know, no matter what league you play in, go. I was get- drafting him all year. Exactly. You know. Yeah. He shouldn't be on your waiver wire. I mean, people, not everybody plays in super competitive leagues like you, know, you and I here. But um, if, if Kingery is available, if you listen to this, Kingery is on your waiver wire, go out and grab him. I don't care what your settings are, Roto, head-to-head, points, you know, whatever. I don't care what your settings are. Go out and get yourself Scott Kingery. This guy is, you know, has legit you – know, if he can get you know, full-time role here, whether it be taking over for Cesar Hernandez, Michael Franco, wherever it may be, um, I know he, he can, they've dappled with him in the outfield too. Um, but he, he's a legit, you know, 2020 threat right off the bat. Um, don't, don't take, take his double a numbers with a grain of salt. Um, Reading that ballpark is a very hitter friendly park. I um, mean, you know, he had 18 home runs there in half a season. Don't, he's not that type of home run hitter. Um, but you know, once he settles in, you know, as a, as a regular, he could be one of those 20 home run, 30 steal type of guys that keeps, keeps a good average. So um, this isn't one of the news I was hoping that he would stay up. So hearing this news, I'm ecstatic. I've been investing in him heavily um, this year, whether it's keeper or, you know, redraft or dynasty, whatever it may be. Um, so I was ecstatic to, to hear him stay up, and it's it's a good move. I you know we the service time. You know, like we all like to forget that you know baseball is a business. Yes, yeah. it is a game, but for me to do baseball, that's a business. And you know, you hate those dreaded words, service time. You know, I was young at the TV every day. You know, until Chris Bryant came up a few years back, and you know, and then you will go through that with Acuna this year, at least for the first couple of weeks. Yeah, I get it from the business side, hate it from the fantasy side, but. It's nice that, you know, the Phillies see what they have in Kingery, you know, lock them up early, you know, bought all those arbitration years, kind of like, you know, uh, the Rays did with Evan Longoria about a decade ago. Um, good good move for them and, you know, great move for, you know, us owners here. He said he doesn't have a spot right now, so be patient. 
be my kind of words of advice here, but he'll, he, I'm a big believer in that talent always wins out in the end. And, uh, King, you know, Kingery's a guy that Cesar Hernandez is not going to hold him back for long at second base. Franco, he's better than Hernandez, but he, if, if it comes to it, he's not going to hold back Kingery for long either. Uh, especially if Kingery starts hitting hot here. So, uh, definitely I love that news so much. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt about it. I was pumped when I heard that because I was hope I was kind of thinking, okay, I'll pick him, I'll hold him for a month or two, and then he'll finally get his call. Makes it a lot easier now. Um, let's talk about those dynasty rankings I've been mentioning. We won't go super deep into this, kind of just get a little a preface, and then people can go check it out on Fantrax HQ. Uh, I know you've been doing you're doing your rankings all off season long for all the positions you mentioned. You just finished up the reliever rankings, and now you got your top 300 dynasty rankings. How often do you update your uh, your rankings, especially your dynasty ones? Uh, all the time. <laughs> yeah. um, even even before I started, you know, writing, um, you know, for fan tracks and whatnot. Just you know, over the years, I've always been making, you know, loved making uh, rankings lists, and I, you know, I've been very frequently if some guy gets injured, it's a hot streak, cold streak, call ups to motions, so on and so forth. I've been pretty frequently. So um, anybody listening, you know, you want an update in mid-May, I got you covered. I'll have it updated. Um, I can send you a spreadsheet. Um, in terms of actually, you know, posting um, some updates here, I do them, you know, usually preseason. Like I just, I just finished them up, and then I'll do my mid-season update. Usually, I do that right around the All-Star break. I won't be as in-depth. Um, you know, I'll probably just post a general top 300 list and maybe break it down a little bit, but I won't be doing you know, a few paragraphs in each player like I like I was um, over the last month or two. But, um, yeah, usually twice a season I, I do those. And you know, there, there's fun. You know, Dynasty is uh, it's a, it's a animal. You, get, you, gotta, you gotta stay on top of it, you know. It's, yeah, definitely. All, it's, it's a year-round thing. That's why, that's why I, I prefer Dynasty and, and Keepers as opposed to, you know, redrafts, you know, always something to do is always always values changing always guys to trade for um trade away so um definitely something to keep on top of and i try to do that too yeah you mentioned ronald acuna already and he's kind of the talk of the talk these days you have, <laughs> you have him at 34 and you know some have him higher some have him, i think it's it's fair because people forget it just because dynasty doesn't mean it's all prospects there's a lot of very good ball players in front of him um how high has he risen for you the last you know let's say year Oh, uh, a ton. I I was high on him before he broke out. I was thought, I was thought he'd be a pretty darn good ball player, but I, I'd be lying to you if I, if I and I think any, anybody would be lying to you um, if they said that they saw 2017 coming and the way he played. Um, I I love this guy. I love this kid so freaking much. Um, I've been trying to get him everywhere. He's caught there's no really no weaknesses in this game. He got better at every level. You look, look at his, with his batting average, his uh, home runs per bat, his OPS, everything went up from you know, high A, double A, triple A, Arizona fall league. He mashed spring training. He mashed. You, know, you go back a couple years to find the last time he wasn't mashing. You know, he's um, even, I don't know if you saw that. I'm, I'm not sure how many people saw this, but I saw um, on MLB.com, uh, some, a scout, a longtime scout, comp- kind of compared him, not necessarily statistically, but as an overall talent to Hank Aaron. I uh, saw that, yeah. Yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah, I, I don't think Acuna's going to go up there and hit 755 <laughs> career home runs, but just a guy that he's, if everything clicks and he continues to develop, you know, he's he's got that Hall of Fame type skill set. He's a great outfielder. Now he's got speed, power, average. He makes a high contact. He's a guy that you know. You got to really dig deep to find anything you don't like about the kid. You know, he seems like he's just a good overall, good guy in general too. There's nothing you. Could, <coughs> excuse me. There's nothing really to not like about him at all. So, um, 34. 
might be aggressive. I tend to. I don't think so. Yeah, I tend. I have gotten some kickback a little bit, but um, yeah, I like it. I, I was holding myself back from ranking them even higher. That's what I was but, wondering. That's what I wanted to ask. <laughs> like I said, I've seen some people go, up, "Yeah, he's the guy. We're coming all the way to the top." So yeah, I mean, it, when I was putting together, I, I took my, I had my positional list, and I was kind of like looking at those and kind of um, looking at all the positions together to see a guy who would like more overall. Um, and I, he started creeping into the back of my mind, honestly, in the teens. <laughs> I was, I was in like the, uh, you know, the Cody Bellinger, Freddie Freeman area, and I'm like, God, do I want to put Acuna this high? The answer is yes, I want to, but I'm like, all right, he hasn't even taken a major league at bat yet, and and, and I was out of spring training, so it's kind of pumped the brakes a little bit. You know, 34 is still pretty high, um, but you know, he earns it. You know, he he definitely is a guy that earns everything that he's got coming to him. Okay, I'm doing my draft right now. Carlos Correa just fell to me in the second round. That's awesome. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I know. Gacuna, I've been raving about him. I've got him and, and his teammate Ozzy Albies, too. Um, and and he was a, that's a good segue. Let me just go there real quick because <laughs> yeah. that's where I was going next with this. And I won't, like I said, I won't <laughs> keep it too much longer. But this one kind of stood out to me. At 41, you have a guy I have on a ton of my fantasy teams. 21-year-old Rafael Devers. I think the world of him, I had Ralph Lifshitz on months ago, and he said watching him play in Pawtucket, just his hit tool alone, the sound of the bat, everything, he compared him to Mike Trout, which I thought was insane, but I could see it. Mm -hmm. You have Ozzy Albies at 42, so basically neck and neck with these two, two young studs, 21 years old. What's your take on these two guys? Like, what step, like where do you see these guys going from here? God, yeah, I uh... – I, I, I didn't hear Ralph compare Devers to Trout, but I, you know, outside of the speed, obviously, I, he's pretty spot on. You great hit to me. I didn't see him in Pawtucket, but I got to see him Double um, A in Portland. Um, he wasn't wasn't here too too long, but uh, I made sure to go and see him as much as I could. So I'm only about half an hour from the ballpark, and uh, he's got that legit, you know, plus hit tool, plus power. Like I said the ball, it makes a different sound coming off his bat um, than and most Evers I've seen come through uh, this Red Sox system. Um, he's got that legit 300 average 40 home run upside. Um, I, I love Devers. I've been getting him everywhere. Yes. My Red Sox fandom goes into that a little bit, but um, him and Albies, you know, there's a lot to like about Albies too. A lot to like about Albies. Um, he, he is, is a lot of people, some of my followers, even you know, it was, it was one day, about a couple week, week and a half ago, Elby's had a two home run day, one from each side of the plate, and there's at least three of my followers reached out to me like, "Hey, did you see Ozzy Elby's hit two home runs today?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I did." It's funny that people know how much I love Elby's. It's it's very, um, very evident. But if you, if someone's looking for the next Trey Turner type breakout the guy that can go hit 20 and 40 20 home runs 40 steals this year always is my pick you know he's praise it is you know i'm I'm not necessarily gonna write write it down right here in in a permanent market that he's gonna do that but he's (laughs) he's got that he's you know 20 20 20 25 runs might be his cap for power um he's he's got that slight frame Uh, he's only like you know five nine buck 80 soaking wet um but he's he's got a good solid swings quick through the zone he's um kind of made his um, his whole motion a little more compact and quicker through the zone um, over the last you know year year and a half. Um, so he's been able to add a little bit of power. Um, he was a guy that you know earlier in his minor league career was slated to kind of be a single digit home run guy, but um, now with the adjustments he's made, he's definitely at least a 15, 20, maybe even you know creep up near 25 home runs a year. He's got elite speed, um, very smart player too, which I love to see. You know, you look at his stolen base numbers. Um, I think. I was looking, I think, combined through the minor leagues and the, and the major leagues. He had 29 steals, um, but only got caught three times. And over his minor league career, I think he had like an 85-ish percent uh, conversion rate on the bases. So he's a very smart player. Um, so guy that I've been I've been reaching earlier and earlier <laughs> to get him in drafts. Um, I was just like that dynasty startup with Keith Farnsworth I mentioned. That was an auction. And I got into, I forget who it was with, but I got into a bidding war for Ozzy Albies. And I was not going to be outbid that night. I ended up going, in, I think, up in the mid-30s for um, his price. But he's that type of a talent. Um, 
and it's pretty pretty I think a very safe um, both him and Devers uh, I think in addition to the very high upside and then the, the high ceiling that they possess fairly safe floor as well um, they, so they can still be very good players even if they don't live up to the high potential that myself and others have put on them no, I love it. I'm a big Albies guy. I'm with you on that one. Endeavors as well. Like I said, I have a ton of my teams this year, so yeah. I'm all about it. But um, everybody check out the rankings, Top 300 Dynasty and his other work over on Fantrax HQ and Fantasy Pros. Um, Eric, any final words before uh, you get back to your draft and uh, baseball season starting on Thursday? Oh, God, I'm, I'm so pumped. It's been a long, long off season, especially with how stagnant it was for a while there. Um, you know, I, I took the day off. I get the day off next this Thursday, next Thursday for the the season opener and home opener, um, which I was going, but I'll just be watching on TV. But gosh, it's just good to get back into, into the baseball season here. You know, I, I got snow, a lot of snow on the ground up here in Maine, so you know, kicking around the 30 to 40 degree range. So it's good to get back in the swing of things here. So I'm excited. I love it. So yeah, again, everybody check them out. Fan tracks, fan tracks, uh, or fantasy pros. He's on Twitter at Eric Cross zero four. Uh, Eric, thanks for joining me, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Take care. You too, uh, everybody. This is Bench with Bubba, episode eighty-two. Catch you guys next time.